Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land's Recruiting Centric Podcast, The Dotted Line. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to Ohio State and national recruiting experts, LGHL's own recruiting analysts, and even recruits themselves. On today's episode, I am joined once again by Land Grant Holy Land recruiting columnist and resident football coach Caleb Hauser. Caleb, how's uh, how's the snowy weather up in uh, in the, the that state up north that we won't actually mention by name here? We've got more ice than snow right now. It's uh, it's been kind of crazy here. We've we've been getting the snow like crazy yesterday. It all melted, and then uh, of course overnight we got another two inches. So it never stops here. I kind of feel like I'm in a snow globe. But you know, it is what it is. As a school teacher, we we tend to get the occasional snow day, which I certainly can't complain about. No, not at all. Um, another thing that we cannot complain about is the fact that Ohio State got another commitment earlier this week uh, on Thursday. Luke Montgomery announced his pledge to play football for Ohio State. Luke is the number 49 player in the country, a high four-star player. He is the number four offensive tackle in the country, although whether or not he ends up playing at tackle is still seems to be a point of contention. Um, some might think he might move inside because he is 6'5", 270 pounds as a high school junior. He is currently the top player in the state of Ohio, according to the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Now, Caleb, he is um, o- Ohio State's. Uh, uh, he, Caleb, he is Ohio State's fifth recruit in the twenty twenty three class. He is the top rated player in the class so far, um, the first player inside the top one hundred. And you broke down his film a couple weeks ago in anticipation of potentially having uh, this commitment come, and you were pretty dang excited about him from what it seemed to me reading that article yeah i mean i have family that is that is nearby family so i mean it's a program that i mean while it's not like an in-state power by any means when you get a kid from that area of this caliber you you really do think it's kind of an ohio states to lose uh commitment if you will so um last or february 7th when luke tweeted you know hey i'm gonna be committing february 17th it was kind of like man all right he's down to you know at least two schools probably three um, and, and you you really thought right away that Ohio State was going to land the commitment just timing wise uh, and a lot of people thought that he was going to take this recruitment into May uh, and, and even in, into the spring so and he said to several outlets that you know it would be kind of a spring timeline for his commitment but obviously moving it up that was great news for Ohio State and yeah yesterday he obviously commits to the Buckeyes and like you said top ranked kid you know that they were still chasing in the highest ranked recruit in the class and looks to be like a class leader because he certainly got the outgoing personality to match it. So what did you see on film that made him stick out as a an offensive line prospect that Ohio State needed to get into the fold and could not let get out of the state? I think first off, it's kind of everything that doesn't surround offensive line, if you will. So he's got a basketball background and he is a elite player at basketball. I mean, that for a 6'5", 270-pound kid, this kid can absolutely play basketball and he's a phenomenal player. So right away, that jumps off to me because you see the athleticism. And then when you put into consideration that what he's going to be doing on the offensive line, a lot of that is footwork. And especially when, you know, defensive ends and edge rushers are coming to him with speed and moves, he's going to have the athleticism to get out 
out of his stance for one as, as a big frame guy, but also be able to move his feet. So I look at the agility part uh, for one, the basketball background is a huge asset to his game. And then also, I mean, there are several national championship contending teams that really wanted Luke Montgomery to be defensive line, um, you know, at the next level. So for him to be able to be a defensive line, you know, power five guy for a lot of really big time programs, Alabama, Notre Dame, uh, the state up North, all that, all those schools. And then Ohio state, you know, wants him as an offensive lineman. I just think it really kind of shows you what he can do as an athlete, but also, you know, how versatile he is, you know, as a player on the, on the football field on both sides of the ball. So I, I really, really am excited that Ohio state's getting this guy, obviously, you know, in state, he's a total priority. He's got a little brother that's in the 2025 class. He's the only 2025 quarterback the Buckeyes have offered. Yeah kind of makes it seem like a no brainer, you know, a package deal. I mean, that's way off in the future, obviously, but I mean, again, you just look at all the intangibles that he has, his size, the quickness, the speed, the strength, uh, all those things kind of line up for, you know, why this is a home run, home run hit for, you know, coach Justin Friday, able to land him this early on and everything that he brings to the table. I was super excited about. So talking about Fry, what do we know about his style of offensive line play that might explain why my, Montgomery was willing to move up his commitment time from a spring Mayish timeline, which you kind of originally assumed and people were talking about, to mid February. Is it uh, that they expect a little bit more on the athleticism side? So he's going to get to do a little bit more. What is it about the way that Josh Fry, um, Josh Fry, did I say that right? Yeah, Justin Fry. So what is it about how Justin Fry likes to use an offensive line, and especially in the run game, which he's going to apparently be in charge of the running game? How does that line up with what Montgomery does as a lineman? If you look at Luke's film, I just think the one thing that I really like more than just the intangibles in his size is the nastiness he plays with. And it jumps off. It jumps right off the film right away. I mean, you watch the first play and he is he's burying dudes and he makes it a point of contact to pretty much lay on top of you and, and push you into the ground, which is I mean, every offensive line coach that you hear speak at clinics or talk, you know, whatever it is that they're that are discussing, they want to play with a nasty edge. And Coach Fry has said, you know, in his first time he was interviewed by the media at Ohio State that on third and two, fourth and one, whatever it may be, he wants to be able to know that they're going to run power. Everybody in the stadium knows they're going to run power, but it doesn't matter because we're going to shove it down your throat. And he wants to be able to, you know, get behind that and have success, you know, with, with plays that they know the defense is going to see. Um, and the defense knows what's coming, but it doesn't matter because they just play with that nastiness. I look at Luke's film and that right away, you know, that connection, I think just goes hand in hand. It's like a perfect marriage for, you know, those two. And just the way that he does things on the interior offensive line at the guard position and also a tackle just shows you how nasty this kid plays and he's got a mean streak to him I encourage people that are listening to watch his film and just see how he buries guys whether it's you know getting up on double teams or kickouts whatever it is the dude is moving his feet the entire times and he's got strong arms and hands to be able to win leverage and, and just power drive people into the ground yeah he is a guy who comes with so much uh, fanfare with him with this commitment. Obviously, getting the best player in your state uh, is a big deal. But you mentioned his basketball background. Like when we talk about him being a good basketball player, like he's so good that he played AAU basketball with Bronny James. So he is fairly close with LeBron. Apparently him and LeBron uh, spoke ahead of the Oregon game back in September. And at the time, LeBron asked him, about his commitment to Ohio State. And apparently it was then that Luke Montgomery, you know, at this point, 
what, four or five months ago, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to Ohio State. I don't know when I'm going to announce it, but he told LeBron James first that he was going to Ohio State months before he officially announced it. So the fact that he's got that connection, he's good enough to be playing uh, on LeBron James's son's AAU team, and LeBron thinks enough of him to kind of be doing his own recruiting for the Buckeyes, that says a lot about the type of player that Luke Montgomery is. Um, so what does this mean for the uh, Ohio State recruiting at the offensive line position in the 2023 class? Montgomery is the second player in the class on the line. He joins Joshua Padilla from Dayton Wayne High School who's the number 129 player in the country, a four-star player as well, 6'4", 265. So similar sizes. He com- he committed back uh, in November when uh, Greg Stoudrabel is still the offensive line coach. Um, two in-state guys, one highly ranked, one fairly highly ranked. You know, top 130 is pretty damn good. Um, what does that mean? Do you, I think we anticipate there being at least one other guy. Is this going to be a national guy, um, another in-state player? What do you think uh, Fry does with the remainder of the offensive line class in this 2023 cycle? Yeah, I think what you look for right away is, is Coach Fry's first class at, you know, at the helm of the Buckeyes offensive line. You think, man, what a great time to come in. You've got two guys that are already committed, you know, obviously with Luke Montgomery and Josh Padilla. I mean, these two guys are right in your backyard. I mean, Finley, Ohio, Huber Heights, Ohio, I mean, they're, you know, within an hour and a half drives to campus. So to have, you know, two kind of blue chipper guys, you know, right in your backyard, that's, I mean, what a perfect time to come in and be able to land those guys. And, you know, Coach Dud, we kind of hit on him that he was never really able to land, you know, these big time national targets on the offensive line. I mean, you, you know, there's, there's a couple in there that, you know, he was able to get, you know, whether it's, you know, Nicholas B. T. Freer or, you know, Wyatt Davis in this, that, and the other, but the fact that, you know, coach Fry is able to come in and right away, he's got two guys in the fold, you know, one on his doing and one not on his doing. I think that kind of bodes well for the future. And you look at offensive tackle recruiting the highest, you know, tackle prospect in the country, Caden Proctor, you know, same, same school as, you know, the one-time safety target for the Buckeyes, you know, last, last cycle, Caden Proctor was, you know, thought to be, you know, maybe a guy that the Buckeyes could really get in on, you know, he released a top schools list and he wasn't even including Ohio state on that. So, you know, maybe Ohio state can get back in the fold on that, but it doesn't really look like it's a, like it's a pipe dream right now. You know, that's kind of one of those things where maybe the ship has sailed there. You can certainly try, you know, down the road or whatever, but you know, they might be focusing on other things. So I think one of the guys that I'm looking for right now in terms of who Ohio state can still get in the fold is once again, another in-state guy. And that's Austin Searfield from Lakota East in Middletown, Ohio. So, I mean, the Lakota schools, I'm sure we'll touch base on it later too with other prospects, but the Lakota schools, are absolutely crushing it right now when it comes to, you know, churning out power five talents. I mean, for the last several years, they've been just killing it. And Ohio State's been able to take advantage. And it looks like they're going to try to do it again with Austin Searfield, who's an interior guy, definitely a, more of a guard rather than a tackle, um, but still, you know, a massive, massive young kid. I mean, 2023 20, class, 6'5", 315 pounds. So, I mean, just the, just the offensive talent that is on the line in state right now is, is, is pretty exciting. And I think, you know, Coach Justin Fry doesn't have to look too far, but, you know, certainly too, if they're able to look more nationally for these big time, you know, tackle prospects, they're you know certainly not going to bat an eye. They're going to go after that too. Do you consider 
Luke Montgomery a tackle or an interior lineman uh, when he gets to Ohio State? I think right now what you want to do is it's a lot easier to move guys from tackle to guard rather than from guard to tackle. I mean, we, we're going to see it this year with Paris Johnson, you know, moving outside. But Paris Johnson, from the time he got to campus, yeah. you know, is a tackle. He's doing Ohio State a favor, if you will, by moving inside so they could have, you know, Dewan Jones and, you know, Thayer Munford stay at their, you know, more natural positions. But, you know, now that Paris is going to be able to be, you know, that that solid left tackle that Ohio State recruited him as, I think Luke Montgomery, in my personal opinion, with his basketball background, just the fact that, you know, he has the frame already with the length. He's got that long wingspan. I just think he's the perfect tackle fit. And I think he's going to develop into that. But the nice thing about him is he also has, you know, work and versatility to go and move down inside, you know, as a guard prospect as well. I mean, he even for his family team, he's, you know, he's played on every offensive line position except center and, and said, you know, a couple of times that he would be more than willing to do that too. So uh, you've got a guy, you know, in Luke that definitely can play outside. In my opinion, I just think his footwork is going to be able to do it. And his long lengthy frame is going to be able to help him as well. Um, but again, if it doesn't work out there, he certainly can, you know, slide inside too, because as we've seen on his film, or at least I have, he's got that drive to be able to get to the next level, uh, whether it's on double teams or, or whatever, whatever he's asked to do, he's just got that nasty finish and, you know, really, really does a good job with running his feet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So you mentioned one Lakota area player who could be the next offensive lineman to be joining Ohio State's 2023 class, but there's another Lakota player at the other Lakota high school who we kind of thought might have actually been committing before Luke Montgomery, didn't, but still could be the next guy in the fold for the Buckeyes. So tell us about the Lakota West prospect who is definitely uh, in consideration to be the next boom for the Buckeyes. Yeah, Malik Hartford's his name is another 2023 kid at Lakota West, like you said, uh, is a safety prospect. And with Jim Knowles coming in and running his defense, he has a three high safety look. So he plays three high safeties, um, you know, w- whether it's a guy that's, you know, in the box is more of a nickel or whether it's a deep, you know, coverage safety, whatever you want to call it. He uses three safeties in his defense and Malik Hartford, you know, for the last month, if you will, has just kind of blown up. I mean, he's had offers come to him this month like crazy. I mean, within just the last, you know, calendar month, Ohio State's offered, Notre Dame has offered, Michigan, Michigan State, Tennessee. I mean, just on and down the list, his recruitment has really started to take off. And right now he is, you know, a 6'3", 175-pound player. He's a 17th-ranked safety in the country and the fourth-best player in Ohio per the composite rankings for 247 sports. So this is a guy that, you know, last week kind of hinted that, you know, something was coming. Um, and then, you know, it ended up just being a top schools list. But I, in my opinion, I think Ohio State has really zeroed in on him as, you know, their next in-state defensive target. And I don't think they're going to miss with this one. I think Malik will come to Lakota West. And, you know, he's got players like Jair Brown that are, you know, just a year ahead of him that are already on campus now, you know, from the same prep program. So, you know, he's integratishable as well. So he's going to have, you know, familiar faces that are in his ear saying, you know, what Columbus is like and what the Buckeyes have to offer. And, and I do. I just think Ohio State will be able 
able to hit another hit, another insane home run with Malik Harford. And he has kind of checked all the boxes athletically. I mean, people have been raving about him. And as you can tell, the last month with that amount of offers coming in, it kind of kind of shows that people are really starting to take notice of Malik Harford. So if he's another guy that Ohio State fans should keep an eye on, are there any others that maybe not committing you know, in the next month or two, but other guys who you think are super strong leans to being in this class, not necessarily like the big names that we hope can be in the class like Richard Young, but maybe somebody who is like, yeah, he's going to be a Buckeye. It's just a matter of time at this point. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you can go kind of up and down the list. If you just look at the guys they've offered, um, in my opinion, I really do think it going back to Austin Searfield, he's kind of the one that, again, he's he's made a top schools list. It's nothing that he, you know, he's set in stone right now for, you know, I'm going to commit at this moment in time. But I really do think those two players, um, you know, from Lakota East and Lakota West, Malik Hartford being the other one, I really do think they're going to be the next two guys that are in the fold. I just, I think, again, like you said, it might not be real soon, but it's, it's one of those things where it just feels like a matter of time. In Austin, he named the top six uh, on February the 10th, included Iowa, Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Ohio State. So obviously some big time national programs with some other Midwest suitors, you know, right in the backyard for Austin. But again, I just think Malik and Austin, those two players being in state, you know, kind of being guys that are positions of need, if you will. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, offensive line is always, you know, a top priority. And then as we've seen, you know, the last couple of cycles, Ohio State really needs to start, you know, ramping up with the safety position. And fortunately, they've been able to, you know, land, a, you know, an in-state guy, Sonny Styles, who was originally in the 2023 class, but reclassified to 2022. So I just I look at those two positions that are definitely priorities for the Buckeyes and really two key areas that they need to improve upon. And, you know, with these two guys that are right in state, it just kind of, you know, again, works out well for the Buckeyes as, you know, things tend to do. And I, I again, I just I think those two guys will be um, maybe not commits right away, but I think, you know, once again, it'll be one of those just a matter of time deals. So we've now seen about a month and a half, nearly two months of this new reconfigured Ohio State coaching staff, especially on the defensive side, and how they are approaching recruiting. Now, there's been dead periods and quiet periods and all that stuff during that. So it hasn't been a full court press in terms of recruiting during uh, that period since they've been hired. But as somebody who follows this pretty closely, what has been your general impression about how the new guys that Ryan Day has brought into his staff have handled uh, getting up to speed in terms of not only who Ohio State is recruiting, uh, but how Ohio State likes to recruit its prospects? Yeah, I think for me, the thing that you kind of look at is just the relentless attitude. And I kind of touch on that in State Secrets quite a bit, you know, to kick things off. It's just it's exciting to see, you know, Ryan Day's kind of put put recruiting at the forefront of the program and the coaches, whether, you know, they've been here for a while or like you said, the brand new ones, they kind of just pick it up and go with it. And whether, you know, I mean, Justin Fry is a great example. I mean, like the day that he got to Columbus, you know, he's on a plane, you know, already in the Northeast looking for, you know, tackle prospects or whatever. So, I mean, as soon as they kind of put on the new, the new logo on their chest, it's, you know, take off and hit the ground running. So for me, I just, I look at the relentless attitude that they're doing. And again, it kind of shows it to me that, you know, they know what they want ahead of time. There's guys that, you know, Mark Pantone and Ryan, 
Ryan Day have put on their recruiting board that, you know, these are our guys. These are the top targets we want in the 2023 class. But then you look at Coach Jim Knowles and at linebacker, this dude is completely zeroed in on Tackett Curtis out of Louisiana. I mean, to the point where, you know, he's texting the head coach who is Tackett's uncle, you know, daily, if it seems, you know, and it's kind of one of those things that we've seen. Ohio State doesn't really recruit the state of Louisiana very much. I mean, the one player they've had is Jair Brown. And honestly, he had Ohio ties anyway, transferred back home from Louisiana to Lakota West. So, I mean, it's just a state that they, the Buckeyes don't really go into. But if, you know, Jim Knowles is going to go and continue to, you know, pursue Tackett Curtis as a linebacker who, un, unreal film, you know, side note, I mean, just watching his film, that dude looks to actually like just violently decapitate people on the football field. He is an absolute phenom uh, from sideline to sideline. So if Jim Knowles, you know, and everybody else that's on staff right now looks to target their guys. It just shows me that they know what they want ahead of time and they're not going to stop until they get them. That's a good thing. That sounds like a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So I hate to do this to you, Caleb. I'm going to spring this on you. I don't know how this is going to go, um, but I have to ask how you're doing after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm hurting. I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's almost been a week, obviously, but I, uh, it still stings. And I, I have a home office at home and on my whiteboard, you know, I use my whiteboard for mainly coaching stuff, um, and, you know, just random plays or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, I'm going through and if I'm watching film, I try to jot some notes down, but I had Bengals uh, 24 and I had Rams 21 as my, as my score. And I wrote it down on my whiteboard and I mean, basically almost hammered it, but just had it the opposite. And, I am. I'm completely upset about it still. Um, it, it still kind of, you know, strikes a chord with me. Um, and, I, and the biggest thing is, is I feel like one of those guys, it's like, and I, I hesitate to say it because as a football coach, we need officials and I don't want to be that guy, but man, for 58 minutes to watch that game unfold the way it did. And like, not a thing is called. And I, and I wasn't upset about any of the things that weren't called. I mean, you can, you can watch that game again and both teams get away with several things. I mean, the Rams had multiple false starts. Aaron Donald lined up in the neutral zone twice in the first half alone. And, you know, the Bengals get away with probably an OPI with T Higgins. I mean, I'll be the first to admit it. Like he, you know, he got face masks there, but to see that game unfold for 58 minutes and really there's no calls. The Bengals had four total penalties and three of them came on the last three plays of the game like that that just, that doesn't sit well with me. And again, like, I don't want to be that guy that blames the officials, but when you have non, like just people that don't have a dog in the fight, like Tony Dungy, I mean, someone that like, I really respect because he just seems so down to earth and, you know, just, you know, kind of cool, calm and collected when he says it's an egregious penalty that really just more than anything, I guess it didn't help. It actually made me feel even worse. So I, I do think the core of the Bengals, and I don't want to go off too long on a tangent, but obviously I'm a diehard. I do think the core of the Bengals is going to be there for a while. They're young. Um, they're, they're as talented as it gets when it comes to the skill position. So I, I'm excited for the future, but yeah, this one stings. And I think it probably will until, <laughs> until they finally, get over the hump and actually win one. But, you know, for me, it's my first time ever even watching them, you know, advance in the postseason in my lifetime. So I guess, you know, if I'm being on an internal optimist, which I'm not personally, but if I have to be, at least the future looks bright. Yeah, I, I can confirm from years of chats in the LGHL Slack channel, you are not generally an optimist uh, about <laughs> no, about sports. I, no, uh, I'm not. No, that's okay, though. I, I think you're more of a realist. <laughs> 
Uh, I would even go pessimist sometimes, but let's <laughs> not talk fair, about the, let's not talk about the Ohio State men's basketball team. And uh, no, and, yeah, know, I, we're not, we I can't watch that. it. I can't even watch. Uh, yeah, but that, that's almost like just basketball in general. The way college basketball is. I'm not a basketball guy, so I, yeah, for me, it's, it's just, up and down. Yeah, to, for that many games, I think the big thing is is like you and I have chatted before. I'm a Reds fan, and so when you have 162 games yeah. of just nonstop up and down. When I think of the Buckeyes, I think of, oh, we're fine every time. And then when you've got, you know, 30 some games and not of a, all of them go perfect for me, I'm just like, man, I can't do this anymore. I've got enough Cincinnati negativity in my life already. So that's fair. <laughs> totally fair. Well, um, thank you so much, Caleb. I, I think this is great. I'm, I'm very excited about Luke Montgomery and what he can bring to the team. Uh, it feels like there is a tide shifting uh, on that offensive line. And even though Fry currently only has two Ohio players in the class, which is pretty much what Stu Drawa did uh, during his time. Like, it just feels different. And I don't know if that's just the optimist in me that's like, okay, there's somebody new. Everything's going to be better. But, like, it feels different. And I think the Montgomery commitment being ahead of schedule is definitely part of that. So I'm excited to see what happens with him. And, you know, even more so what we learn about these new coaches during the course of spring ball over the next few months. Absolutely. And like and like you said, I mean, the offensive line, whether or not people think it was, you know, a detriment to the team, I mean, obviously it hasn't. They've, they've been successful enough to do some great things. I mean, when you look at their offense and it leads the Big Ten and the nation in multiple categories, you know, it, it's hard to complain. But you did feel that Ohio State, you know, maybe it wasn't a lackluster offensive line, but you could tell they just kind of needed that fresh new jolt. And I think they're going to get it with Coach Fry. He, he seems to be, you know, more of a younger, younger speeler that's, you know, ready to get after it and really be, you know, one of those guys that, you know, kind of builds his game on nastiness in recruiting. And, and obviously it, it's starting to pay off already. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Lands, the Dotted Line podcast. Caleb, thank you, as always, for your insights. If you're finding this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are still, for whatever reason, even in the offseason, still putting out an episode every single day with unique perspectives and voices and focuses that you won't hear anywhere else in the Buckeye podcasting universe, for better or for worse. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWW Matt. Caleb, where can people find you? Caleb Hauser 9. Awesome. I assume 9. Was that your, your number? Yeah, worn 9 for basically my entire life. So uh, definitely my favorite number and it's got to live on somehow, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was 8. I was a Cal Ripken fan growing up, so oh, my yeah. base, my baseball number was always number 8. So got I it. feel Love that. It. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.